0: What do you do when your anxiety is running your life and interfering with the business you wanna have? Hi, welcome to another episode of Business Mindset Mastery. My name's Heather Gray. I'm a mindset and performance coach for business owners, leaders, and entrepreneurs. You can always find me over at ChooseToHaveItAll.com. And I'm kind of surprised we haven't been talking about this before, but the role that anxiety has in our lives and in our businesses. I think it's kind of the giant elephant in the room when it comes to the mindset conversation. And I've said it before, and I think I've talked about it on the Show even that, like, sometimes we talk about shiny object syndrome and we talk about imposter syndrome and all of these entrepreneurial, made up phrases that we use to cover the things that we're afraid of that make us nervous, that make us kind of shake in our shoes a little bit and keep us frozen and stuck and in inaction. It's so much easier it probably sounds a little bit better if we can give it a name other than anxiety because when we say we're anxious, it makes us feel weak it makes us feel small it makes us feel less than and it makes us feel um, as though other people will judge. but if we do imposter syndrome, if we call it shiny object syndrome, suddenly we're like one with the people of other entrepreneurs in the struggle facing their fear when At the root of it, We're all just a little bit nervous and all just a little bit afraid. Today's listener question tackles this head on in a way that I've been sort of chuckling to myself to say like, wow, I'm surprised I haven't gotten this question yet. And then I immediately said, well, that's because the people who struggle with anxiety were probably too anxious to ask. So today we're diving into the role that anxiety plays, how it's different than mindset and what the heck you can do about it. Let's just dive in. Here goes. Heather, it feels selfish of me to start this letter asking for help without first thanking you. I've been following you since last summer when I read your article about managing toxic people on Goalcast. I noticed you weren't writing for them anymore, and I'm so happy to have found your podcast. I've learned a lot about setting boundaries from you since then, and I'm happier with my relationships as a result. I'm so grateful your articles have helped me and your podcast has been just incredible for me in so many ways. I can't believe you do it every day and I don't know why you do it every day, but I'm really grateful and I'm sure others are too. You need to know that. You should know you're making a difference every day. However, Heather, after all the hours of listening to you, I wish I could tell you that I'm happier with myself, but I'm not really. I'm anxious all the time. I worry about what people will think of me. If I will be good enough, what I will say in certain situations, I worry about everything. For the past several years, I've spent my summers assisting in what would be seen as an elder day camp, a place for older adults who need assistance during the day to come and socialize with their caregivers at work. I've always loved it. It's like being with grandparents all day, every day. The place has lost its funding, and I've had the idea of reaching out to the caregivers whose loved ones I've connected with and offering a day of assistance. I could pick five people and approach their caregivers, and I would have work for the summer, one for each day of the week. I can't get myself to do it, even though I know it's a good idea, and even though I know they're in a pinch and actually need the help. I worry about why they would want to hire me when I was only support staff. I worry about what I would charge. I worry about what would happen if someone with memory impairment wandered away on my watch or if I forgot to give medication at the proper time. I just worry and as a result I may not have a summer job. I'm so pissed at myself because I see myself on the outside looking in. I see how pathetic I am and how lame I must sound writing this. I've written and erased this more times than I can count but I'm desperate to change. I can't stand myself. I'm embarrassed for my weakness and I want to be someone who's brave. What can I do here? I need to salvage my summer but I also really think I need To salvage my life. All right. (laughs) Deep breath. Deep, deep breath, people, because we're talking about some human tough stuff. And as soon as we tell ourselves we're in this moment of being human, we're feeling all the feels. It's really hard. It's really scary. And feeling all of it makes us sound pathetic. Well, now we've just put ourselves five steps back. It's not pathetic to be scared. It is not pathetic to be worried, to be anxious, to have all the thoughts and questions that you're having. It seems to me that this is the usual way you've been moving through the world, that you have managed yourself. You have come this far with this chronic state of worry. You're at a crossroads now where the way you've moved through the world to this point is about to interfere with the life you want to have. My guess is you've been there before, but you've managed it in one way or another. And now you're at a crossroads that living your life according to your anxiety is not working for you. It's not serving you and you want to change and you want to learn how to do this differently. You just don't know how. I want to give you credit here because you're not running away from the truth you're looking at boldly bravely in the eyes and you are saying i am the reason my life is not the way i want it to be i'm getting in my own way i'm sabotaging the life and the summer i could have and i don't want to keep doing this that isn't pathetic it's not weak It's not timid, it's not less than, and it's not a reason to put baby in the corner. You just don't know what you don't know because this is the only way you've learned to live. I wanna do a little bit of a refresher on anxiety. You've heard me probably talk about it in the show on a couple of different occasions at this point, but I wanna tackle this sucker head on so that you really understand how you have gotten here. Because anxiety at some function is a biological mechanism inside all of us. It's the thing that we're wired to pay attention to for survival. The idea of paying attention to risk and survival of the fittest is the sort of original function of anxiety, is we were wired to know when we needed to get out, that whole fight, flight, or freeze response in order to survive. But what happens for some people, for a variety of reasons that I don't need to go into and you don't need to know in order to understand how to get better. Some people live on this in a chronic situation. As a permanent state of being, they never get out of that fight or flight response. And what that means is they move through the world in such a way where they're always seeing the risk. They're always seeing where they might fail, where they might fall, where something could go wrong, where they might not get what they want. And it becomes the habitual way of moving through the world. And when you move through the world in that way, what ends up happening is you create a body memory that puts your brain on automatic pilot to always look for the risk, to always see it. And the way I was taught it and the way I've come to understand it is you have this thought, you have this original idea that I'm going to ask a caregiver if I could please watch their loved one one day a week in exchange for a pay And they're going to say, like, you were the support staff. How do I know you're capable of, you know, taking care of my loved one by yourself? And you're telling yourself a story that just because that question might get asked, because it might get asked, like, let's face it, that you're incapable of answering it. And then that would mean you're less capable for actually doing the job. And you're imagining all of the ways somebody's going to look at you sideways. If they're going to ask you if you're licensed, they're going to ask you this, they're going to ask you that, because you are building an army and each question you ask, each thing you imagine is another soldier in your army proving to you that there's something to be afraid of here, proving to you that there's actual risk, that there's a reason to stay in that fight, flight, or freeze response because your body is biologically now wired by you over the periods of time, over the years that you've engaged in this kind of thinking when approaching new or regular everyday situations. Situations, you were now training your brain to always look for what could go wrong. So several months ago, in fact, I think it's sometime last year, I did an episode, Look for the Green Lights. That's a good episode to go back to because part of what we need to do and part of what we need to get you to do is to rewire your brain so that you're actively looking for the things that could go right, the things that could go in your favor, actively looking at the times you were scared. You did it anyway and it worked out. Actively seeking the examples for yourself of the times you were scared, it didn't go any anything like you wanted it to, but you still live to tell the tale and things still turned out okay. Tuning into your capability, the specific, measurable, observable facts in your life that speak against the things you're afraid of. A reason why when you listen to that and you hear that limiting belief and you hear that thinking error, you actively talk back to it. You've heard me say it on the show before, we can't kumbaya our way through fear we have to go to war. That is why I use the word war because you have an army of soldiers that are telling you that the world is gonna end if you do X, Y, or Z when in actuality, there's likely very true that there's very little evidence that supports that thinking, but you have trained your brain to think differently. So what we need to do is create an everyday habit where you were scanning your world and going through your environment, looking for ways that things that can go right, looking for times that the sunny side of the street worked out just fine for you. But the other piece to this is... The questions you ask, what if somebody says you were just a support staff, why should I hire you? What if somebody says you want to charge that for a full day's work? I can't afford it. The program used to charge this. Um, What if, what if, what if? Okay, okay. I'm fine with you having all of those questions. In fact, if you're actually looking at what could be the start of a fantastic business idea in your local area and not just a summer job. I don't know why you're just looking for a summer job. If you're a college student or perhaps you're like a school teacher and you you have a school year um profession during the week or something, but like you could be looking at something that has long-term potential for something that's amazing. And if you're looking at something like that, you want to have these questions. Like you want to know, like, what are you going to say when someone asks you this? What if someone questions you about this? What's your plan for that? How are you going to respond to this? Just because you have the questions doesn't mean you're incapable, A, of answering them or be figuring it out that like you can use those questions to develop a plan. Because I got to tell you, I'm not somebody who struggles with anxiety on a regular basis, but when I was leaving the therapy space to become a coach, I was constantly worried about what people would think about me, what my colleagues would say, how I would be perceived. Would I still be trusted? Would I still be taken seriously? And now I'm in this weird state where my clinical license for social work is is in massachusetts i'm operating out of california so i can't actually operate under my clinical license i'm not really doing clinical work and my clinical license for massachusetts expires in october and i'm suddenly having the story that i'm going to be less t- taken less seriously that my professionalism may be questioned more that all of these stories i can tell myself that there's something wrong with me having that story i can use that idea to make myself be small and to play less than and to go timid and to not show up. Or I can say, well, that's actually going to be a question that some of my clients might have. Like, what are you going to do, Heather? You're not licensed anymore. What does this mean? What do you actually do? So yes, they might ask the question. So I'm going to prepare myself with the answer. So if somebody says, why should I trust you? You were just a support staff. If you get over your anxious response that says, no, there's no reason I was just support staff. You're totally right. Let me back off. Let me just slowly back away from your door in this conversation. Forget I ever asked. Why should they trust you? because you have the idea so you see yourself as capable. You didn't say someone else really needs to do this. I had that question the other day where somebody had like this business idea and she was like, somebody else should do this. You see yourself on some level being able to do this. You see yourself as capable. So if somebody asks you, what are you gonna say? That's what you do, have the plan. I love that you have this question. These are boss questions. You should be having these questions. You're telling yourself that you're asking these questions because you're anxious, because confident people would just go balls to the wall, knock on these doors and say, hey, you have a problem. I can help. That's fine. Some people would do that. You're not doing that. But your challenge as somebody with chronic anxiety is going to be once you answer that question. Once you come up with the, what are the objections that caregivers might have? What are the challenges that people might offer me? How am I going to remember four different people and the five different medications they take at three different times of the day? Have a plan for that. Have an answer. How are you going to manage people who are memory impaired? Have an answer, have a plan. Your challenge is once you've really kind of clear that you've covered the basics and you're not like trying to plan things that are gonna be like one in a million and could never possibly happen, people who struggle with anxiety need to make a commitment to stop asking the questions, to lean into like, yeah, something else is gonna happen. I can't plan for every possible thing, but I'm gonna figure it out. I'm going to do my best. I'm going to show up as I am. And I'm going to hope that if something goes wrong, that I've developed relationships with the clients and with the caregivers so that I'm trusted and we work it out. I'm going to ask for advice. I'm going to ask for help. Whatever, however you need to fill in the blank for yourself, have the plan. But the other thing here, and I I would be remiss if I didn't talk about it and I didn't just tackle it you know, sort of directly, is the role that anti-anxiety medication might be able to play in your life. Because I just walked you through all of the behavioral reasons why anxiety comes to run your show. One of the options you have that can make this easier, that can make this process more efficient and less time consuming is if you consider the idea of an anti-anxiety medication. I don't say this impulsively. I sat and I thought about it before I recorded this episode, whether or not I wanted to make this as an option and even open this whole can of worms for people but I do think it's worth the consideration because I've seen people who have this lifelong habit of asking, of questioning, of doubting, of hesitating. I've seen them experience relief faster when they get sort of the medications benefit and help and assistance and rewiring their brain pattern. They don't often have to stay on medication forever, but it is an option. I'm not recommending it one way or the other, but I am letting you know that this is an option if you haven't already considered it and you could go to your doctor, get a really good aval. Don't just (laughs) go in and accept somebody who you say, hey, I'm anxious, and suddenly they hand you out an anxiety pill. But have like a conversation of some length with someone and see if that might help and might benefit you. The next thing you need to think about and pay attention to is recognizing that you have taken, however old you are here, your lifelong habit is to move through the world this way. So if it's taking you this number of years to walk this deep into the forest, it's going to take you this long to walk out of it. And you can't prevent yourself from taking action waiting to be less anxious and waiting to be less scared. Your questions, your fear are not reasons not to do it. Because if you think about it, I'm sure you can give me a litany of things that you did even though you were scared to death. There have been tests you have taken that you were scared to death. There were, you know, social situations that probably had you shaking in your shoes and you figured it out because not going wasn't an option. There were unpredictable events that have happened in your life, health scares, numerous things that you have encountered that at some point in time made you scared, you wanted to avoid, but the way life goes is it doesn't let you avoid and you figured it out. That's what I want you to tune into as well, and to remind yourself that you can do that again for yourself that like this is going to be another one of those times when you still might be as anxious out of your mind as possible but you still can pick up the phone and call that caregiver when you know they need your help when you know that even though you're questioning even though you're doubting you actually kind of are capable and the perfect person to do this somebody who already knows these people particularly the memory impaired population like like, your, your memory impaired people may not remember you, but the caregivers need to have the familiar face they need the break. They need to know that their loved one is with someone who cares about them and that like will pay attention and, you know, like care. So this is an awesome opportunity for you and you are right. You cannot wait until you're less anxious. You have got to stop sabotaging your behavior immediately by answering the question, having the plan, and following through even though you're afraid. I I see where you're talking about the wreckage of your life. I'm struck by how you ended your letter with salvaging your summer and salvaging your life. I want you to recognize that as much as I wish you didn't look at yourself as pathetic, as much as it like I wanted to edit that part of the letter, like I didn't want the other listeners to hear that you like thought that poorly about yourself. I want you to recognize that I can't get you to be less anxious sitting and talking about it. I can't get you to feel less pathetic sitting and talking about it. I can't blow smoke, unicorns, and sunshines up your behind and suddenly have you feeling like the princess capable of everything. That part of this process, part of changing your story about yourself, changing that description is by changing your behavior. Seeing yourself be scared as anything and knocking on the door and talking to the caregivers anyway. Seeing yourself put yourself out there solving the problems because I got to tell you that as soon as you think that like when you're in that caregiving role, you know what you're going to do, suddenly something else is going to happen. Like we can't predict everything. I can tell you that from being in two rounds with my husband first after his injury. And then in 2015, when he got um, sick again, like there is no way to predict what the caregiving journey is going to be like, how it's going to challenge you and what you're going to encounter. But knowing that by doing it anyway, you are going to change your story of yourself by being somebody who was so scared to write the letter to me. I totally have this story that you sat and like rewrote this letter for ages now um, because anxious people usually plan ahead and you're looking at like the official start of summer with the Memorial Day weekend. So I totally have this story that you've been writing and rewriting this letter for ages, but finally you sent it, right? So you have now changed your story about yourself simply by becoming somebody who sent the letter right? That's one way. And now you're going to be somebody I have faith in you. I believe that you can do this. You can call these caregivers and say, I'm so sorry that you guys lost the funding. That's so unfortunate. I know you're stuck. I was thinking I would have the opportunity to help five different families if I, you know, volunteered to give you one day a week. Do you have a day that would be most helpful that your loved one had coverage? And I'll stay in your home and I'll do X, Y, Z. I'll take them to the medical appointments or whatever. I know you can have that conversation. And yes, they might ask questions that you don't know the answer to, but you're capable of figuring it out and thinking about it. But also you're capable of working with the caregivers to come up with a plan. Your anxiety, your fear, your nervousness is not a reason not to do it. But Over time, by doing things even though you're scared, even though you're afraid, you change your story about yourself. And anxiety no longer runs the show. It'll stop running shotgun and pretty soon it'll be in the trunk of your car. You can direct this. Now, I want to move away a little bit from your specific letter and your specific question to talk generally about what the other elephant in the room that your letter kind of brings up. And that's the idea that so many people with chronic anxiety will talk about having a mindset problem. And so it feels um, out of integrity and unprofessional of me if I don't somehow address this. And I had thought to myself in all transparency, maybe I'll just do this letter episode and then do a follow-up. But I wanna include this as part of the entire conversation that people who are struggling with mindset only struggle with mindset in one particular area of their business or their life. So it can be like I just can't get myself to work out and that'll be a mindset problem or I just can't get myself to, you know, spend less money and that might be a mindset problem or I can't seem to press launch or go or play on my business and that's a mindset po- problem. People who struggle with anxiety as a mental health condition They don't just experience anxiety in one area of their life. Sometimes there's like, phobic specific issues like stage fright or talking in front of groups or something like that. But when we're talking about anxiety and the difference and how it's different from mindset is mindset is usually only in one particular area of your life, whereas anxiety is pervasive and evident in multiple areas of your life. It may not be in every. You may get occasional breaks in your day where you're doing something or moving through the world in such a way that your anxiety doesn't pop up but when it is showing up in all of these areas, it requires big picture sort of attention and intervention. And I think that this kind of work is really done well with a professional, that I would encourage you to do some work on anxiety, to maybe consider a therapist for help with this, to learn ways of rewiring your brain, because there are whole like books and sort of points of view on managing it. But I can't, like, you know, you've heard me say it a thousand times because it's, it's my worry and it's my story. Like, oh, people are going to think that I'm trying to solve the problems in simple 15-minute, po- you know, podcast episodes. And I, I don't think that, but I, I think I do worry a little bit, like, what the expectation is. But I know that I can't solve the problem of generalized anxiety as a lifelong behavior in your life with a single podcast episode. That takes time, and that takes an investment in yourself, doing the work, having the conversation, getting help, figuring out sort of the treatment intervention that works for you, but making a decision that you no longer want to be somebody who makes her life decisions and um, business plans based on being an anxious person, that you want to make decisions with more confidence, you want to move through the world with less anxiety, that's a big picture problem. You're going to start to change your story about yourself as soon as you get this summer gig off the ground. I know that about you, but I also know that it's true about everyone else listening that it's not always going to be problem sp- specific. Sometimes it's going to be lifestyle specific and you're going to need help and assistance. And I think that people with anxiety, because it's such a culturally accepted mental health condition at this point like you described yourself as pathetic but i was like everybody tells me they have anxiety like anxiety is talked about so openly because if you think about it like it's like the socially acceptable mental illness to have because anxious people want to do their best anxious people are perfectionists anxious people always want to make sure they say the right thing anxious people you know are always trying to be the best possible versions of themselves right like that's the that's the sort of perception. I Like, you know, when I was doing mental health therapy, I had so many moms and moms were always coming in with anxiety because they wanted to be the best mom. And all their girlfriends had the same problem. Well, how awesome is it that a bunch of moms can sit together, have a conversation about wanting to be the best moms like that's like who's going to look down on that, right? Because the issue is, is you want to be the best, rather than recognizing that that pressure, that expectation, that drive, the root of it is fear. And that is suffering. At the root of anxiety is suffering. And you don't need to suffer anymore. You don't need to choose suffering as your way of moving through the world, as a given, as the sort of thread that carries you throughout each day. You can make a different choice. I'm urging you to I'm asking you to. Whether or not you do will be entirely up to you, right? That's what I've said all along. Like that's where my control ends and yours begins. But I'm challenging people listening to this show to think about the role that anxiety is currently playing in your life and decide that enough is enough. This won't be the last time we talk about it. I think that it's really clear that this is an ongoing issue for a lot of the people who are writing to me. I think if we start looking at the letters that have been coming into the show in recent weeks, like this is a common theme and a common issue. So we're gonna keep talking about it together. If you have a question, if you have a follow-up, thought or concern please write to me let's keep the conversation going let's keep it as real and as authentic as it gets I think it's important and I think that we can move everyone towards healing and out of that fight <laughs> let me start that one over out of that fight flight or freeze response thanks for sitting with me today thanks for joining in I appreciate your vulnerability in this question I'm so glad that you've stuck with me all along um, and I look forward to hearing what happens next for you let me know how how that summer business of yours turns out because I think you've got a really great idea. If anybody else wants my two cents on your question, please don't hesitate to write in. You can always find me over at Heather at choose to have it Keep the conversation going. I just started it over on my Facebook group today. So if you want to join in and dive into that, you can find me over at my Facebook group called Choose to Have It All. Uh, just do a Facebook search and you'll find me there, and I'll put the link in the show notes too. Thanks so much. I look forward to talking to you next time. Bye for now.